Revelation 2. And we're going to start in verse 2. You guys still here this morning? Revelation 2 and verse 2. Now, we're going to continue this series about passion this morning. And let's read this verse. It says, Revelation 2 and verse 2, it says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear with those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and found them liars. And you have persevered, and you have had patience, and you have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. But notice in verse 4, this is a key verse today. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Notice God says to this church at Ephesus, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now today we're going to be talking about passion, and specifically I want to talk today about a lifestyle of passion. If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is A Lifestyle of Passion. Now, We've been talking about passion or pressure for the past three weeks. This is the fourth week of it, talking about passion or pressure. And as we get started today, I'm going to talk about a lifestyle of passion. Now, something real quick, because you guys are super quiet. Um, it would imply, since we're talking about passion, I'm just going to put two and two together. This is exactly why we're talking about it, because apparently you need it right now. Um, but when we preach about passion, that somebody else in church should be passionate about the message other than the preacher. But I realize I'm preaching to this message because apparently you need it more than I realize you need it right now. And you have for a very long time. That's why we're preaching on a passion message. Okay. So this must be a word in season for everybody in here. So there's one person laughing and the rest of you are offended right now. <laughs> A lifestyle of passion. A lifestyle of passion. The quieter you get, the more I raise my voice. So that's just how it works. A lifestyle of passion. That's what we're going to talk about. We've been talking about passion or pressure on Sunday mornings, and we're going to continue today about a lifestyle of passion. So we're talking about passion today, and uh, we read this verse in Revelation 2 and 2 uh, through 4. But the last part of it, he's talking to a church here. Ephesus, which we know the book of Ephesians, the church of Ephesus, which was a great church. It was a big church. It was a powerful church. But notice, after years and years and years, what happened? At the end of this verse, he says, I have this against you, that you left your first love. You left your first love. Or we could say you left your first passion. Or you left the passion you had at the beginning of this thing. I mentioned this in the past several weeks, but it's true. When you first get saved, nobody has to tell you to pray. Nobody has to tell you to read your Bible. Nobody has to tell you to come to church. Nobody has to tell you to give your offering. You haven't even heard a verse about tithes and offerings, and you want to give your money. Why? Because you have passion. You have passion. Nobody has to beg you to serve in ministry or helps you say, hey, where can, I, where can I serve? You know, can I, can I clean the toilets? Can I work in the classrooms? What can I do? Why? Nobody has to tell you because you have passion. And he's saying in this passage right here that, hey, the church of Ephesus, you were like this at one time in your life. You were young and you were passionate. You were excited. And you got a lot of good things going for you, but you left your first love or your passion. God doesn't want us to just go through the motions. He wants us to have passion. And I'm telling you today, and I've been saying this for weeks, if you're living a life without passion, you're not really living at all. Because God has designed us, God has graced us, God has meant for us to live by passion instead of pressure. He's meant for us to live with a want to instead of a have to. Because he sent the Spirit of God on the inside of us to give us a desire and power to do his will. And he wants us to live by passion. The thing is, most people don't. That's why a lot of people gave up years ago because they don't even see anybody who really lives by passion. Passion. He said, you left your first love. That's what I have against you. He said, you're doing a lot of other good things right. You got a nice church building. You got good people. You got money. 
You're preaching the word of God, but you left your first love. You left your passion somewhere. You left your passion. And today we're going to be talking about getting your passion back. A lifestyle of passion. Now, a life without passion is no life at all. A life without passion is no life at all. You need to have something that you're passionate about. God designed you and created you as passionate people. And a life without passion is no life at all. They say that um, the sin of old age is prejudice. The sin of middle age is pride. But the sin of youth is passion. And the thing is, it's true. When you're young, you are passionate. And that can go in a right direction or a wrong direction real easily. Passion is something that we have when we're young. Automatically. And, and sometimes it's towards God. Sometimes it's towards other uh, causes or other things that we're excited about. We're passionate. But a lot of things happen in life that sometimes our passion wanes, or our passion changes. And just like this church at Ephesus, we lose our first love. And we lose that passion we had at the beginning of things. We lose that love, that passion we had at the beginning of this relationship with God and this beginning of this journey with God. But we lose it somewhere along the journey of life. You guys still here this morning? And so, we need to talk about some things and some reasons why we lose passion today. So we're going to talk about uh, several different things, about why we lose passion and, and how to regain our passion today. Some things about passion. So, first of all, uh, thinking about passion is this. You know, I know that a lot of people have um, things they think about passion, what's passion, what's not. Now, I, I mentioned this several times, and I know that a, a lot of you think this is about me, but I am an expressive person, and I, I don't apologize for that. I don't like non-expressive people. Sorry, but you're lame, and you're boring, and you need to get some passion. Offended again. All right, I'm two for two so far. But a lot of you feel like that, you know, passion is just... Uh, it's just certain people that are more expressive. You know, they're passionate people. Now, I do believe if you are passionate, you will be expressive in some way, shape, or form. There is no way that you're a passionate person and you just have a straight face. You're just like. No, it, it, it's not happening. It, there, there's no way. You know, just we know this from being younger, but if you're happy and you know it, your face will surely show it. Um <laughs> If you're passionate and we, we know it, your face will surely show it. Your actions will surely show it. Your words will surely show it. There's no such thing as I have passion in my heart and it's not coming out. It's coming out some way, somehow. Because if you're happy and you know it, your face will surely show it. Same way with passion. And so this idea, well, I'm just not ex as expressive as you are. Well, we're going to talk about some things here. You ready to talk about some things? Passion is not a personality type. Passion is not a personality type. Because I already know about half of you in here. You're just like, well, I'm not like you, so I'm not going to be passionate. First of all, that's a lie. That's a lie. Now, you might not act like I do at church, but you act like this somewhere else. Because passion... Is not a personality type. It's not a personality type. Because everyone in here is passionate about something if you push the right buttons. So don't give me this lie. Well, I'm just not passionate and I don't just I don't express myself at church. You are lying and you are you are the child of Satan who is the father of liars. Come on now, somebody. You ain't telling the truth. It's amazing, you know, the same, the same guy at work that acts like he's tough that will tell you that, um, you know, why do you come to church so much? You know, you guys are real emotional at church. 
you know, raising your hands and singing and people responding. I don't get it. You're real emotional. You're fanatic. You're passionate. The same guy that will criticize you for that will wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning and get in line to tailgate with his shirt off, painted his whole body at 5 o'clock in the morning. The game doesn't start to 3 in the afternoon. He's sitting outside in 32-degree weather with his shirt off, yelling, screaming, dancing, jumping, drinking, and he says, you're a fanatic. I wish somebody would have some common sense here. The same guy that says you're emotional is the same guy who's crying on his couch when his team loses. But you guys at church are too emotional and expressive and a fanatic. No, you just have passion about something else and something that doesn't matter in light of eternity. And they want to criticize us. The same woman that complains about getting up 30 minutes extra for Ministry of Helps will wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning on Black Friday and go shopping. From morning to night. Not eat, not sleep. They don't care. They're not complaining. They're not asking, when is the service over? Why? Because they have passion. And that same person will criticize you for working 30 minutes, an hour, a couple hours at church, once a week. I'm thinking common sense. This doesn't make any sense to me. Why? Because they're passionate about shopping. Am I telling the truth this morning? So passion is not a personality type. It's not. It's just what have you given your heart and your desires to. It's what you love. That's what you're passionate about. Don't give me this, it's not my personality type. No, if we get you in the right setting in the thing that you're excited about, you will act completely different because you're passionate about it. So don't act like, oh, well, I'm just not passionate about church. But No, you're passionate all right. You just have given yourself to so many other things for so many years. That's where your love and your desires are. And you're passionate about it. And notice, people that are not expressive here are so expressive out there. What happened? Passion. Am I hitting a little bit too close to home this morning? I don't care if I am. I'm going to keep going. The same guy that can't come a little bit extra early to help out at church and set up some tables and chairs can get up at four o'clock in the morning and get in a tree stand and spent weeks preparing for it. Hey, a couple extra tables and chairs that will take 10 minutes. Nope. Tired. Woo. Worn out. Man, that service, it took a lot out of me. You just dragged a deer for five hours through the woods to get it back to your house so you could fix it up, but you're too tired. It's about passion. It's about passion. What you're excited about, what you're passionate about, it will show. So I just don't want any of you to buy this lie that passion is a personality type. Well, I'm not like Pastor Jordan. I'm just not expressing. No, you are. You are. Just in different settings, whatever you're passionate about. Whatever you've given your desires to, whatever you've given your love to, that's what you're passionate about. And even the people that you would say, oh, my gosh, at church they're so quiet and so well-behaved. You should see them when they get passionate about something. It's amazing. Why do we get fired up about so many different things that in light of eternity do not matter at all? 
But then we give God our scraps when we come to church. We give him the leftovers. We give him our leftover time, our leftover energy, our leftover enthusiasm, our leftover desires. If I'm not too tired, I can make it on Sunday. That's two hours out of the entire week. Are you here today? No, whatever you're passionate about, it'll show. It's not a personality type. And some of you that wouldn't get excited about a lot of things, let's have somebody talk about your kid in the wrong way. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, be a fence. Oh, they're so quiet. They're so mild-mannered. Talk about their kids. See what happens. Mama bear and daddy bear comes out. Oh, you're expressive now. You're passionate now. Why? Because you love your kids. And so, guess what? Since you love them, there's got to be some expression of passion. Same, well, my scripture, it, it disappeared. I'm sorry, I didn't say it. Same thing here. When you love them, the passion will be there. The enthusiasm will be there. The energy will be there. Why? Because you're passionate about it. So let's stop playing the personality type card when we come to church. Or in our daily walk with God. It's just not my personality. It's just not my, no, 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 no. It's whatever you're passionate about, whatever you're excited about, whatever you love. Here's something else. Passion is not about preference. Some of you won't worship on certain songs because you don't like that song. All right. Yep. But if you're passionate, you will worship if there was a person on the platform with a banjo and two teeth singing praise the Lord. Why? Because passion supersedes personality and it supersedes preference. Because I'm passionate about it, I'm going to get excited about it, and I can worship whether I like the song or not. Because it's not about preference. Passion supersedes my preference. What about some of you in here will say, well, I like to hear you preach, but if somebody else is preaching, I'm going to stay at home. Passion is bigger than preference. Passion is bigger than personality. Passion is bigger than preference. Passion is deeper than that. Passion is something on the inside of you. It's a a love, a desire, an excitement, an enthusiasm for God, for the things of God. And it is beyond personality. It's beyond preference, what you like, what you don't like. Passion supersedes that. Passion supersedes that. Passion is something that goes way beyond even what is done at service, during service time. Now, let me tell you, here's the other side of this. I 100% agree if you're passionate if you're excited, it will show when you're at church. Absolutely, 100%. It will show in your expression. It will show in your worship. It will show during the teaching time. It will show. Your passion will show. But I want to ask you this. If the only time it shows is when you're at church, then it's really not passion. Now, I'm saying you are going to have it if it's genuine at church, but I'm saying it's going to go beyond Sunday morning from 10 to 12. It's going to go from Monday through Saturday if it's real passion. And I want to say something else about this. Sometimes the most excited, vocal, jumping, dancing, screaming people during the week, their life shows nothing from what happened Sunday. Are we here? 
I've seen some of the most expressive people on Sunday morning. The rest of their week, it doesn't look anything like that. <laughs> We're missing something if, it, if there's that much divide between what happens Sunday and what happens during our week. We're missing something. Now, I believe you should be expressive, but you should carry that on all throughout the week, if it's real. Because if you're only loud on Sunday, then it was just a show, and it wasn't real passion. I know, you guys are, you guys are listening today. So passion is beyond a personality. Passion is beyond preference. Passion is even beyond what we just do here on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday or when we get together in life groups and we try to act like we're Christians and we're spiritual and we do, do our thing. It goes beyond that. Passion's what, if it's real passion, it will carry on Monday through Saturday. So passion is beyond a personality type, so let's stop making that excuse for ourselves. Passion is beyond preference. Passion is something that's in your heart. It's love. It's desire. It's enthusiasm. It's energy. It's real. And it's not just real on Sundays. It's real during the week. Now, I realize when we all get together, it's different. Because there, there's an anointing in here, and there's the power of God in here, and there's a corporate thing that happens when we're all together that kind of gives you an extra boost, an extra kick in the pants of Holy Ghost energy and enthusiasm for the week. But that doesn't mean it can't carry out through the week. That passion, that enthusiasm, that energy. Now let's look at Romans 12, 10 and 11. Romans 12, 10 and 11. In the New Living Translation. Let's read this right here. And Miss Jenny, could you turn on some air for me? Because I'm getting hot in this Methodist church this morning. Okay, let's look up here and read this. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. What a word. Enthusiastically. <laughs> you can't just say like enthusiastically. He's talking to a church at Rome here and notice what he says. Never be lazy, work hard, and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Notice, not lazy, not mundane, not boring, not barely get by, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. We need some more people with some real passion that are going to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Because real passion is going to come out in enthusiasm, in energy, in excitement. And those are the people that change the world. Those are the people that change people. Those are the people that change schools, they change cities, they change businesses. Those are the kind of churches that change communities, not churches that sit there like a bump on a log and are not excited to be there and have no passion in their personal life. Churches that change cities and regions are churches that serve the Lord enthusiastically. And real passion is going to be shown in enthusiasm. Stop lying to yourself that it's in my heart. I'm excited about it. It's in my heart. If it's in there, it's going to come out. It's going to come out in your words. It's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in your prayer life. It's going to come out in your energy. It's going to come out in your worship. It's going to come out in the preaching time. It's going to come out if it's real passion. In the same way, if it's real passion, it will come out in other areas. Like I said, getting up at 5 in the morning to go shopping. Getting up to go tailgating. Getting up to go on a date with that person you've been waiting to go on a date with. You took 10 hours to prepare yourself before that date, but you're still late to church every Sunday morning. Because you're passionate about it. 
hopefully you're hearing what I'm saying because some of you are lying to yourself for years about why you're not passionate, excited, enthusiastic, but you're lying to yourself. No, what you're passionate about, you'll be enthusiastic about. And I love this. He says, serve the Lord enthusiastically. That means when you work and serve in the church, do it with energy and excitement and passion and not complaining and not with a grumpy face because nobody wants to see your ugly face anyways looking like that. Because they want to see some enthusiasm because it's the greatest place to be and the planet is the local church. Not somebody drug me off the street and threw me into this classroom so I could serve the Lord enthusiastically. Right? We love your kids around here. Sure we do. Excited to be here. Tables and chairs. If it's passion, it'll be real. Are you guys hearing me this morning? Maybe you guys feel like you're getting your toes stomped on a little bit too much this morning, but I'm just telling you the truth. I love this verse. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. And notice, like I said earlier, that enthusiasm will go beyond Sunday morning and into your week. If it's real on Sunday, then enthusiasm, it'll go to Tuesday afternoon. It'll go to Wednesday night. It'll go to Thursday night. It'll go to Friday night. It'll go to Saturday morning. If it's real, serve the Lord enthusiastically. You guys getting something this morning? So we're talking about passion as a lifestyle. Passion is bigger than personality and preference. And if passion's real, notice there will be some enthusiasm. You will serve the Lord with energy and excitement. Telling by your response, you guys have all received this message so far. All right. Well, it was fun, guys, wasn't it? <laughs> nice try, Pastor. So I want to talk about a couple things this morning on why we lose our passion. Why we lose our passion. And because I've been talking so passionately, I'm already starting to lose my voice because since you guys won't say a word in here this morning... I wrote down three things on why people lose their passion or start to lose their passion. And some of these are things that are actually good, but the enemy can use them to turn your heart towards other things, to turn your desires. And some of these aren't even bad things I'm going to list here, but sometimes when you get these things, the enemy can try to turn your heart, your passion, your desires towards other things other than God because you got what you were praying for. Now, the first thing we want to talk about is people lose their passion because of, of, of a position. People lose passion because of a position. Now, we're not going to turn there, but you could write this down. Luke 10 is the story of the Good Samaritan. In the story of the Good Samaritan, what happens is there is three different men who come by this guy who's hurt on the side of the road, who's, who's dying. And the first two guys are actually religious leaders. And the last guy, he's just a Good Samaritan that comes by and rescues this guy. But notice what happens. In the story of the Good Samaritan, what happens is this, is the two guys who were church, church guys, church leaders, because of their position in the church, they lost their passion for people. And what both of them said in Luke 10 was, if, if I help this guy out, what will people think about me? If I touch this guy and he's in need, what will people think about me? Because 
Why? I have a position now. So what will people think about me? And he lost his passion. These two men in the Bible, in Luke 10, lost their passion because of a position. Let us never lose sight of no matter where God promotes us to, that we keep our passion. No matter if that's in the church world or the business world or anywhere else, we are never too good to help other people. We are never too big because we got a position now to love God enthusiastically. I love this. In the Bible, David was a king. And the presence of God came back to Jerusalem. Now I'm about to preach. I don't know if you've heard me so far. The presence of God came back to Jerusalem. David was the king. When the presence of God came back to Jerusalem, he started dancing like he did when he was a nobody. And you know what? His wife and other people got mad at him and said, a king's not supposed to act like that because you have a position and you need to be proper now and you need to be quiet now. And David said, how am I going to not praise God when God brought me all this way? I don't care if I'm a king or not. David was the king. And he said, I don't care, even if my wife doesn't understand, even if my family doesn't understand, even if I look undignified in front of the whole entire nation, I'm not going to stop this passion because of my position. And it said, David danced before the Lord with all his heart in front of everybody, and he was the king. Why? Because he didn't let his position take his passion. Are you here this morning? So we can lose our passion sometimes when we get a position. That's not just in the church world, but maybe in the business world. Well, now you're a CEO. Now you're making money now. What if my business colleagues come to church and I express myself? What if they do? But I got a position now. Sometimes we can lose our passion because of a position. We don't have to, but I'm saying a lot of times we do. We can lose our passion because of our position. Let's look at Deuteronomy 8. You guys listen today. Deuteronomy 8. And we're going to talk about the second thing. Here's another thing that happens. Here's another reason why people lose passion. Prosperity. Prosperity. Now, let me explain myself. Like I said, some of these things are good things, but sometimes when we get them, we forget God is the one that gave it to us in the first place. And we can lose our passion, notice, when we prosper. We don't have to. But a lot of times it can happen because of money and the influence of that. That's why God said to guard our heart towards being lustful and loving money more than him. Because it's very easy to happen. Now listen to this, Deuteronomy 8, and we're going to start in verse 6. Now this is talking about when God brought his people out of Egypt into the promised land. He brought them out of slavery into this land of abundance. In Deuteronomy 8 and verse 6, it says, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, a land of water and fountains, a land of wheat and barley and of vines. In verse 9, In a land which you will eat bread without scarcity and which you will lack nothing. And whose stones are iron, and out of the hills were dig, were dig co- copper. And verse 10, notice what it says. When you have eaten and are full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the land he has given you. Verse 11, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Are you here? 
Notice it says, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Verse 12, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied. Notice verse 14, when your heart is lifted up and you forgot the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Sometimes we lose our passion because prosperity. Prosperity is not even a bad thing. It's a good thing. But sometimes it can take the place of God in our heart. And that's what God was warning his people. He said in the Old Testament, if it's true for them, it's true for us. He said, when I bring you out of the world or Egypt and I bring you into the promised land and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to heal you, he said, beware lest your heart or your attitude gets lifted up and you forget the God who brought you there in the first place. And you lose your passion now because you got a good car. And you lose your passion now because you got a nice house. And you lose your passion now because you have nice clothes. And you lose your passion because you have everything you need and you live comfortable. You can lose your passion because of prosperity. I'm going to say something about the United States of America. There's a reason why there's not revival in the United States compared to other countries. Because they are so prosperous, they have forgotten God and they lost their passion. I can't preach it any harder and better than I'm preaching it this morning. And the same thing happens for us. When God prospers you and when God blesses you, the tendency in all of us is to lose our passion. We get comfortable. We get so comfortable living the American dream, we forget passion. You know what happens? When you don't have anything, you're desperate. How did you pray when you didn't have anything? How did you worship when you didn't have anything? How did you come to church when you didn't have anything? You know why? Because you had passion. Because you were desperate. And you realized that you needed help. But now that God has prospered you, you feel like you don't need any help anymore. And you're not desperate anymore. And you don't need God's help anymore. And that is the biggest lie that the enemy has ever sold to you. And notice what happens. We lose our passion because prosperity. And that could be in any area of our life. Are you guys hearing my heart this morning? When we prosper, we forget about the Lord who gave us everything we have in the first place. When we prosper, we get comfortable so we don't pray like we did when we didn't have anything. We don't shout like when we needed deliverance because we're delivered now. We lost our praise. We don't come to church with the same desperation we did because we're prosperous now. We're healed now. We're delivered now. We're good now. We're good, God. We got this. Are you here this morning? And notice prosperity is something that comes from God, but the enemy can use it against us to take our heart and our passion away. Because we lose that attitude of desperation, of hunger, of excitement, because we get too comfortable in the prosperity notice that God gave us in the first place. You guys hear my heart this morning. So we lose passion because of our position. We, lose, we can lose passion because of our prosperity if we don't keep it in the right light. And lastly, we can lose passion because of our pride. Let's look at Luke 18. 
Luke 18 and verse 9. I appreciate you guys listening to this fired up preacher this morning. Hopefully it shook you out of your comfort zone because you needed to be. I did too. A life without passion is no life at all. I just say, that's just the way I am. I just say, forget it. If it's not going to be passionate, forget it. Some of you are better than me. You enjoy the mundane things of life. But for myself, it's got to be passion. Jesus died for it to be passion. Jesus didn't go through all that to have a church that's not passionate. So we can lose our passion, notice, by position, prosperity, pride. In Luke 18, in verse 9, Luke 18, in verse 9, it says, And he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood, notice, and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Pride. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even tax collectors. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And notice verse 13 And the tax collector standing far off said, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. And he beat his chest saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14 says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Sometimes we lose our passion because of pride. We lose our passion because of pride. And really, all three of these things go together, possessions, or prosperity, position, and pride. And notice, we can start coming into church in the same way that this guy did, and he said, Hey, God, I don't need much from you. I just thank you. I'm not like everybody else. Why? Because a lot of us in here are on the other side of salvation. We're on the other side of deliverance. We're on the other side of healing. So sometimes we forgot we can't even relate to people who are still struggling with stuff. And he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like this guy who's down here praying. I thank you that I'm not a a tax collector. I thank you that I'm not like everybody else. And then there was a guy who was humble before God, who was passionate, and came to the altar and said, God, be merciful to me. I know I'm wrong. And Jesus says, guess who left justified? Guess who left right with God? Not the guy who was in pride, but the man who humbled himself. We got to ask ourselves that question. How do we live our life or how do we come into church? Do we come into church with this attitude of pride like I've arrived? Or do we humble ourselves before God? Because notice when we're in pride, pride and passion can't coexist. All this man had who was weeping and asked God for mercy was passion. And God said this guy was justified because he was passionate. A lot of times we'll get into pride and notice after a while, after we have the position, after we have the prosperity, after we have been healed and delivered and restored by God, we can get into pride and we lose our passion. We lose the attitude that we had at the beginning because we really feel like we got it all figured out now. And we don't need God. And notice what we do. Like I said earlier, we lose our desperation for God. We lose our hunger for God. We lose that because we're not in a crisis anymore. 
We lose that because we're not in a trial anymore. We lose that desperation. And notice when we do that, we lose our passion. There's one last verse I want to share with you. It's Psalm 51. And we're going to read this and I'm going to have a time where we can ask God to help our passion. So Psalm 51. Brother Daryl, could you actually come up here and play for me? Appreciate it. Psalm 51, and we're going to read this in a moment. But before we do, my heart is today that we, um, we get our passion back. We get our heart towards God back. We stop letting position and prosperity and pride get in the way of our passion. We... Um, Regain that desperation and that attitude of, God, I need you or I can't make it. God, I need your help or I'm not going to live. I need your help. And notice when our attitude is like that, that's when God can help us. It says we got to humble ourselves so God can exalt us. We got to come to God and say we're in desperate need of you. Or he can't help us. You know that the older I get, and I'm not old at all. Corey, I'm not old at all, right? I'm 29. I'm not old at all. But I do realize this. The older I get, the more I realize I can't do this life without God. I knew that when I was younger. But the older you get, the more you realize you really can't do this life without God. You can't live, you can't have a sound mind, you can't have health in your body. You can't survive on this crazy planet without God. Now you know that when you're younger, but you really know that when you start to get older. And I know some of you that are older than me can say a big hearty amen to that. That your life would have been over years ago without God. And... The thing is, I want to read this, at least part of this psalm in 51, because not just in this passage, but even in Revelation, we're not going to turn there, but in Revelation it says, you left your first love, but then the next part he says, but if you repent and you humble yourself, you can get it back. It's not lost forever. But notice what that, that takes, humility desperation, you to be honest enough to say that you can't do this without God. And the thing is, that church in Ephesus, he said, you did lose it. You lost your passion, but you can get it back. But you got to repent. You got to humble yourself before God. But notice, this is what is interesting. David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect. He had passion, and I just read you, or I told you about the verse where David was a king and danced before the Lord. But you know what? There's another time in his life that he didn't. There's another time in David's life, even though he was passionate, he loved God. There was another time in David's life that he didn't, and he lost his passion. Why? Because he he was the king. And even though one time as the king, he danced before the Lord, after years and years, he started trusting in his position. He had prosperity as a king, and he was prideful as a king. And we know what happened. He got into sin. He messed up. He ended up killing another guy because of his sin. But the thing is, David had a heart after God. Are you hearing me today? And so, David was smart enough to know, if I've lost it, I can get it back. If I've lost it, all i got to do is humble myself before God and repent.
So he said in Psalm 51, which you should read this whole passage. This is after David. He's a king, but he, he messed up. He lost his passion. But he knew he could go back and get it again. In Psalm 51, in verse 10, this is really a prayer of repentance from David. And David said, in Psalm 51, 10, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And notice verse 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And let's jump down to verse 16. He says, For you do not desire sacrifice, or I would give it. And you do not delight in burnt offerings. <laughs> but the sacrifices of our God are a broken spirit. in a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. I love that in verse 12, he said, notice, restore to me the joy of your salvation. What was he saying there? Restore to me the passion that I once had. God, restore to me that feeling I had when I first got saved. Restore to me that love that I had at the beginning of this before I got all these things, position, prosperity, pride. Restore to me, and notice God was willing, and he helped him, and he restored him. But notice David had to humble himself and say, you know what, God? I'm sorry. I repent, and I'm asking you to restore that passion that I had at the beginning. I love it. He says, God, you don't delight in burnt offerings. You don't delight in all these big, spectacular things that we do for you, but you do delight in a broken, in a contrite heart. And not broken in a bad way, broken in a good way. There's sometimes you need to be broken in a good way. It means that you're humble and your heart is tender towards God. 